Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Um, They all focus on being freed from some external force, right? Something outside of yourself that might say, you can't do that or you have to do this. Um, And it's a very surface level view of freedom. Takes place out here in the physical world. The second aspect of freedom is the freedom we experience or don't experience in here, right? Obsession, addiction, compulsion. These are things coming from within us that can take away freedom. It's a type of imprisonment or enslavement that we experience from inside. You could be an anarchist living in a society with no established rules or authority and still lack complete freedom. Why? Because other people or other systems even are not the only threat to your real, true, complete, and lasting freedom. You might be the greatest threat to your own freedom. Not because of anything you do directly, but from the overflow of the brokenness that exists inside you and inside all of us. I'm not pointing fingers at you that I'm not also pointing at myself. Now, the third aspect of freedom. So we said freedom from the outside, right? That's like, you know, William Wallace, America, freedom, all that. There's freedom from the inside, the things that, that direct our decision-making and all the things that, that um, come from within. But then the third aspect of freedom and what makes us a comprehensive view of freedom is having something you are freed to, right? It's great to, to be freed from like an addiction or to a degree to be freed from having to follow like a whole bunch of rules, right? I used to go, when I was younger, I went to a private school for like a year and I hated the uniform. I had to wear a uniform every day. And so when I was not in that school, I didn't have to wear a uniform. It was awesome, right? Not all rules are great. Um, the ones here are though, so you should definitely follow those. Um, yeah, but, but what are we being freed to? We can be freed from things, but the question remains, what are, what are you going to do now with this freedom that you have? Right? There's no such thing as a void <laughs> in this. Something we don't consider not really is that while we can be freed from something, all we're really doing is exchanging our servitude. We're exchanging the thing that we are in service to. We were never meant to be without a master. Human beings were created to serve someone or something. I'm not talking human service, like chattel slavery, anything like that. I'm not even really talking about a person. The thing you serve, the person, or, or, or sorry, not the person, the thing that you serve could be your pride, right? The most important thing to you is to be the smartest or the strongest or the most attractive wherever you go, and you will use that service to your pride as motivation for how you spend your time, your money, who your friends are, who you date, where you work. You're serving your pride. 
It's changing the decisions that you make, not freed from it. Your master could be comfort, choosing to do or not do certain things, whether or not they're too hard or it's too hot or too cold or too long or too awkward or too much unknown. When you are making decisions for those reasons, you're serving your comfort. Whatever it is that sits on top of all of your other priorities, that is your master, and that is what you serve. How, how, do you, how can you know this? Because it's not just a list you write down. It has to be a reflection on your life. So look back. Look, take, take stock of your life. Or better yet, you could ask your best friends. Because sometimes we can be blinded, right, <laughs> to certain things about us. So ask somebody outside of you who knows you really well. Say, hey, what do you think is my number one priority? I bet they could tell you. What's the thing that crowds everything else out? What are you not willing to sacrifice? Or what are you sacrificing for that thing? If you can't think of it, um, or even if you can, ask somebody else, see if it's the same thing. A person serving pride will put themselves through torture to prove their worth. Have you guys seen those YouTube videos? <laughs> those people are like, it's a challenge to stay in like a a pool with water and it gets like a degree hotter every minute and the last person out wins like hundred thousand dollars something like that have you seen this who's it? is it mr beast is that he does that kind of stuff it's just terrible he's torturing people uh, but it, but a person serving their pride you know maybe not for hundred thousand dollars but for for to prove that they're the strongest or the bravest or the toughest or whatever they might put themselves through some really awful situations to just say, see, I knew it. I told you and I told myself that I am. But they just went through something they didn't have to go through. Or a person serving their comfort might avoid just life entirely to the point of obscurity because they don't, I mean, they're not serving their pride. They don't care what you think about them. They don't even care if you think about them. They just want to be comfortable. And they're going to miss out on so many things in life because comfort is their most uh, important thing. So what, is, what are you serving? What is the result of the thing that you're serving? I'm not just talking about the good stuff that comes from it. What is the co comprehensive, the, the total sum of the things you're serving? Um, there's a, a movie came out, mm, I don't know, like 10 years ago maybe, maybe more. My concept of time is not great. Um, but it's called The Help. Has anybody seen that movie? And uh, I don't exactly remember the circumstances surrounding it, but at some point, somebody makes a dessert for somebody. Do you guys remember this part? And they like put some poop in it, and then they give it to them, and they don't tell them until after they ate it. Right? That's disgusting. <laughs> right? So <laughs> you might be like, oh man, like I'm serving my academics. I'm a straight A student. I have an over 4.0 GPA. I don't let anything get in the way of my studies or my grades, whatever. And that might be great, right? But it's like eating dessert with poop in it. There's, there's a lot of good things, right? About dessert, sugar. Cinnamon, how are those churros tonight? Muy delicioso. They were delicious. <laughs> um, 
And fortunately, there was no feces in them, so win-win. But when you're looking at the thing you serve, what's the result? The good stuff. We tend maybe to focus on the good stuff. Like, yes, I got those straight A's. And these are just for instances. I'm not trying to, like, focus in on anybody. Um, But, like, at what cost, right? What relationships have you sacrificed? What, What measures have you gone to to achieve that? Maybe your grades are so important to you that you'd be willing to cheat to maintain those grades. It's your entire identity, right? But now, you're a cheater. (laughs) Is that worth it, right? What's the comprehensive result of the thing you serve, the good stuff and the bad stuff? And be honest with yourself. For me, and maybe this is true for you, for a long time through middle school, high school, college, um, my struggle was serving my sexual desires, and it corrupted my relationship with my girlfriends, made it hard for me to focus on anything else, kept me from spending time improving myself or doing anything that was good for me or or made me better. It paranoid me that people would find out. And it was never, ever enough. And that's that's true for for all of these things. Because that's not what you were made for. We weren't made to serve these things. And so when we get a taste of it, it's like, that was good, but it doesn't quite do it. So we have to keep going back to it. And that's what I mean by the fact that we're in service to it. You keep going back. It's compulsory. For me, the more I indulged, the more I needed it, enslaved me. And I was free to choose, right? That's one of the aspects of freedom that we talked about, the freedom of choice. Everyone has the freedom of choice. Maybe not the freedom of the consequence from those choices. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like, you could stand up right now, push me off the stage, and scream the F word at the top of your lungs. You could do that. You are free to make that choice. You are not free from getting kicked out of camp (laughs) after that happens, right? But you are free to do that. Everyone has the freedom of choice. That's not really special. And it's not really freedom, not complete freedom. And that's the danger of viewing freedom solely as that of choice. There's more to it than that. We can skip ahead to a few slides. Jesus tells a story um, of a young man who was living at home with his dad and his brother. And one day he goes to his dad and he says, I'm out. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live in this house. I don't want to follow your rules. I don't want you telling me what to do. I want my inheritance. When do you get an inheritance, if you get one? Just shout it out. I don't know. When they die, right? Brutal. I, I, yeah, I don't have a great relationship with my dad, but I cannot imagine being like, hey, I wish you were dead. Give me some money, right? That's harsh. That is brutal. But that's where this guy is. He's like, you put me in a cage. Let me go. I want to fly. I want to be free, right? So he says, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money, and I'm getting out of here. And he does. Jesus says he moves to a far away place so he didn't have to even worry about crossing paths with his dad. And then he says he spent his money, all of his money, on wild living. 
I will let you fill in the blank on that. But he spends, in a short amount of time, half, because he had a brother, so half of what his father had spent a lifetime accumulating. He, he blows through it on what Jesus calls wild living. And then there's a famine. The crops stop. What's the term? I almost said cropping. That's not right. The food stops growing. The, you know, they're, they're running out of food. Everything is dried up, right? And because he's an idiot, he doesn't have anything saved up. He was just in the moment in a bad way, right? There's a good way to be in the moment, and then there's a bad way to be in the moment. He was just like, no more rules. I'm going to do whatever I want. And he had nothing. He was not ready for this thing that was out of his control. And so he has nothing. And he is homeless. He's destitute. So he here's this kid who... who comes from a home of wealth, who was wealthy himself, who is now just on the street, totally destitute. And he has to go and get a job on a farm, and he's feeding these pigs. And Jesus said he was so hungry because he was so broke, the pig food started to look good to him. Okay? You think of, like, where he was at to where he has fallen to. And it took this long for him to, like, have his aha moment. It was in this moment that he's like, wait a second. The people who work for my dad, work for my dad, not even like his other children, right? The people who work for my dad, their lives are better than this. I, I wonder if I could go back home. I, I know that he won't take me back as his son because remember, he said, hi, I wish you were dead. Give me money. So he's like, I don't think there's any chance he'll take me back as his son, but maybe, just maybe he will let me work for him because the people who work for him are in better standing than I am now. I can't be a son again, but maybe I could be a worker. He's realizing in this moment Yes, he had his freedom of choice. Still, he could have eaten that pig food if he wanted to. Um, but he wasn't really free, right? His choices had led him to a point where now he was confined by something else. He was confined by his poverty. His freedom of choice had led him down this road. He'd made terrible choices, which we all do. Um, but he made these choices, and though he was free to choose, um, he had lost a lot of his freedom um, because of the choices he had made. Was it worth it for him, right? Going back to that, that Braveheart movie that some of you have seen. I can't, I probably shouldn't even mention, I shouldn't recommend it. It's rated R. It's for big people. Um, it's, it's like a war movie, so there's just a lot of blood. Um, but their whole thing, this guy, his whole thing is like freedom over everything, Right, And he ends up, spoiler alert, this came out 27 years ago, so I don't feel bad. He dies in the end <laughs> because to him, he was like, I would rather be dead than not free. It was the most important thing to him. And maybe that's how you feel. You're like, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I would rather be homeless eating pig food than have to do what anybody tells me to do. Maybe somebody you trusted took advantage of that. 
of your trust. They hurt you with their authority. Maybe you don't want to follow rules or, or, or submit to that authority because you've been hurt, hurt by it. And I want to recognize that and I want to validate that. It happens all the time with humans, with people. But what I encourage you to do, not telling you right now in this moment, just think about this. Um, what if you don't need to be out from under authority altogether? What if you just need to be under the right authority? Someone who won't hurt you with it, abuse it, hold it over your head, or take advantage of it. There are those of us in this room who believe in God, and there are those of us who don't. Um, we're glad that all of you are here. All are welcome. Um, I want to take a minute to talk to specifically each group of you. Um, first, my Christian friends, listen. God made you. You know this. Every part, body, mind, soul, spirit, and he made you to be in service of something or someone, him. You get to choose what you serve. Even now, you do. You get to choose. He's not going to make you serve him. You're not a robot. You are a human being. But he's made himself available to you as an option. And yes, you know this. He requires something of you. But it's because he knows that all the other options will not satisfy you. In fact, they'll confine you and they will ultimately leave you worse off. What he offers for you is to fulfill the purpose of your existence. There's a billion things fighting for your service, fighting to be at the top, but none of them care about you. They can't. They're inanimate. They consume and they give nothing back. Money doesn't love you. Your grades do not care about you. But God, he doesn't just love you. He is love. And he, he doesn't love you because of what you've done. He loves you because you're his. Psalm 139 says that he's forming you and developing you while you were still, while your mom was still pregnant with you. Before she delivered you, before the sonogram took that weird picture it takes of babies, um, before the pregnancy test even showed up positive, he knew you. He was, I love this, uh, in one of the translations it says he knit you together, Right? Um, he was putting you, me, all of us together. He knows the hairs on your head and the number of your days. He's gone to great lengths to offer you abundant life. Christians say yes to him. And maybe now you do it for your own sake because of what he promises to give you, abundant life and joy and peace and so many other wonderful things we can't earn on our own. But in time you will see that he is so much more than what he can do for you. There's no one like him. How could there be? There's only one creator, 
Only one Savior, only one who exists outside of time, only one who holds the world in his hands. The only one who loves without condition all people at all times. He's the only one who gives without expecting anything in return, ever. He is totally selfless, totally honest, supremely powerful, just, good. The list goes on. I hadn't seen that that video that they played um, during the worship set, um, but that was great. I was like, man, I wish, <laughs> I wish I just had this video ready whenever like I started to get like a little like oh. I want to serve something else right now. <laughs> um, just pull that out and be reminded, like, man, God is so, so good. For my friends who, who don't believe in God or don't know if they believe in God or they believe in him to a degree, but you think he's like a monster or something, that is fair. There is no way to 100% prove the existence of God. That's why we call it faith. If you've heard that word before. And it is really difficult to look at human history and easily get to a place where you can say he's good. Listen, the Christians I know with the deepest faith and who follow Jesus with the most conviction have wrestled long and hard with God about the pain and suffering that exists in this world. I'm not asking you to set those things inside. In fact, if you're ever going to be in relationship with him, just like any other person that you would have a real and deep relationship with, you have to address the doubts and ask the questions. You have to clear the air, give him a chance to speak for himself. But first, what I want you to do is just take an honest look at your other options. What else is there to serve? And what will it do for you ultimately? Or maybe you say, I don't have to serve anybody or anything. I'm totally free. I'm doing my own thing. Well, then you're serving yourself. And that's actually suggested (laughs) uh, a lot that, you know, just follow your heart and like do you and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Man, can we just like be honest with ourselves for a second? Nobody is harder on us than we are on ourselves. We know all the mistakes we make. We know the nasty thoughts we have towards other people that no one else could know. We are painfully aware of just how small, insignificant, and incompetent we are. The people who act like they're not are lying to themselves and to you. We as people, are puny, and that's okay. I say we're puny. We're puny compared to God, right? People can be awesome compared to other people. Um, There's those YouTube videos, people are awesome, and it's like dudes in wheelchairs doing like triple backflips, and there's people like being kind and generous and loving and like they may be Christians, they may not be, right? People, people can be awesome sometimes. What I'm saying is, in relation to this God that we've been talking about, small, insignificant, puny, and it's okay. An inflated ego will not change that. No amount of money or educational success or career accomplishments 
will change that. And I'm not saying that you're awful, you should just give up. We are all, every one of us, a mixed bag of good and bad, right and wrong. What I'm saying is you're not going to find this idea of complete freedom that we're talking about from outside, from inside, and free to something amazing and incredible. You're not going to find that in here. And there will be days where you're tempted to think you have. Everything is going just right. Everything is going your way. Um, but something is going to come up. Something always does. Whether it's from the outside or from the inside. And I'm not even asking you to just hear this from the Bible or even like a Christian perspective. Um, Cora, don't pull it up yet. We're going to play a little game called Finish the Lyrics. Do I have any fans of the movie Greatest Showman out there? Okay. Don't put it up, Cora. We're going to test them. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who thinks, who knows the song Never Enough? <laughs> who, who said not that much? I want to ask you. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, you know it. Can you, is it the chorus? I'm going to start it, and I'm going to see how far you can get into this song, Okay. All the shine of a thousand spotlights. All the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Um, um, let me think. Uh, who, who wants to pick it up from there? Anybody pick it up from there? Towers of gold, still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. Never be enough for me. Come on, let's go. I didn't, see, boys, where were your hands? I didn't see any. Did she, Cora, how'd she do? Nailed it! Great job, great job, right? This is from a Hollywood movie. They could hold the world. They could have towers full of gold. It's never enough. Or like Lil Wayne says in his song, I feel like dying. I mingle with the stars, throw a party on Mars. I'm a prisoner locked up behind Xanax bars. I didn't want to play finish the lyrics with that one. It's, it's a little depressing. Or this quote from Madonna. She says, the more money you have, the more problems you have. I went from making no money to making comparatively a lot of money, and all I've had is problems. Life was simpler when I had no money, when I just barely survived. Uh, any Beatles fans in the house? All right. Uh, this is not a Beatles song. There probably are Beatles songs like this, but this is a Paul McCartney song. Uh, what's it called? Every night, every night I just want to go out, get out of my head. Every day, I don't want to get up, get out of my bed. Or don't go to this next one. We're going to do another finish the lyric on this one. Um, uh, who knows the song, Mo Money, Mo Problems? Notorious B.I.G. and P. Diddy. Okay, we'll get the fellas in this one. Okay. It's like the more money we come across... Oh, come on, your hand went up so fast. It's like the more money we come across, 
The more problems we see. The more problems we see. Nailed it. Okay, listen. The, these, these are not, as far as I know, I don't know them personally, um, but these are not like Christian people, you know, you know, choosing these thoughts and ideas from Scripture. These are people like you and me who are out there trying to find it, who are trying to find what it is that they can serve, that will, that will do it for them, that will give them that feeling of completion. We, we hear or read these lyrics or th- see things like this in movies and shows, and we're like, yeah, life is hard. Yeah, I resonate with that. I feel that. But then, you know, we're in a conversation with somebody, and we don't want to be that vulnerable. We act like everything's fine. We've got it all together, Right? And in those moments, when we're, we're with that song or whatever, we're like, oh, yes, I love this song because it just expresses how heartbroken I am or whatever. And then you get in front of people and you're like, I'm awesome. Nice to meet you, right? We act like everything's fine and we're not. Nobody's totally great all the time. It's okay. Especially we get like this. And again, I do, I do it too, especially when we're confronted with the idea of God having something to say about us not being okay. It's like, how dare you, sir? I am okay. He knows we're not. 15 minutes ago, you were just complaining to your best friend about all the problems in your life. (laughs) And then God's like, hey, so, you know, things are pretty messed up. And you're like, no, my life is great. Get out of here. Don't don't say anything about it, right? It's the beauty of art. It's an avenue where people allow themselves to be vulnerable and honest in a way. It's not normal or regular in everyday conversation. So for you, my friends who don't care about the Bible, don't want to know what it says, I want you to think about that song or that movie character or that book that really you resonate with, that kind of shines that spotlight on just like how things are like not totally awesome all the time. And sit with it. Let yourself feel it. Because if you don't do that, you, you're just ignoring and drowning out what is real, what is true, because it's uncomfortable. Because if, if, you, if you really admit there's a problem, if you really admit your life isn't perfect, you're going to have to do something about it. Okay, to everybody. God, God wants to set us free free from the weight of, of knowing all the answers, free from figuring everything out, being confined to serve a, a lesser master, from carrying all of our burdens. This is Jesus' offer. It's up on the screen, Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what does it say? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Notice he doesn't say, come to me, just kick back, I'll take it from here. He says, bring me your mess and your stress, I'll take that from you. It's too heavy for you to carry, but here's some healthy weight for you to carry. Obedience or discipline, or surrender. And we don't like those words. It sounds like weakness or defeat. But here's the thing. 
He knows that we are already surrendering to something. What he is offering is to surrender to him who made you, who knows you, who loves you. Why not surrender to the good master? This, by the way, this surrendering to God, it does not make you or or Christians awesome. (laughs) Jesus is awesome. We just get to be near him, right? We don't always choose to serve God, and that's usually when the ugliness comes out, right? You could get on the internet and in five seconds, five, two, find 200 videos or articles or whatever of like Christians being just awful people or, or people calling themselves Christians and saying terrible things, right? Um, there's still ugliness in there, but it shows up when we go back to, to serving other things and not, not serving God. If you had a positive interaction with a Christian, it was probably not of themselves. It could be. Some, some people are naturally nice or naturally generous or whatever, but Christian is drawing from the resources of God, which are unending. The Christian can draw from God's patience and God's love and God's wisdom. And for us Christians, we should be doing that more often the longer we walk with him. Going back to our story, that young man who was about to eat some pig food, he he finally decides, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back. I'm willing to say I was wrong. I'm willing to say that even though I thought life could be better without you, dad, (laughs) doing things my own way, I was wrong. It was not better. So he starts heading for home, and Jesus says, while he's still a long way off practicing his apology, his father sees him, and full of love and compassion for his child, he runs to him. See, this dad knew the moment his son left that he had some hurt coming his way, that that he was leaving And he was headed towards some pain, some suffering. And every moment he's away, his father's thinking, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. So when he sees him, he's thrilled to see that maybe not totally, but he's okay. He's back home. Now, I don't know about your dads on this Father's Day. Any other dads in the room? No? Just me? Okay, great. (laughs) This guy. Um, Nice. Did you tell him happy Father's Day? Good. That's great. Um, So I don't know about your dads. I don't even know if you know your dads or if they're in your life. Um, I don't know if they're good dads. Maybe. Like my dad, they're, you know, they did their best. They're doing their best. But it's like not really that close. Um, That's not this dad. This is a good dad dad, a loving father. And that could be a hard hurdle for us to get over. I spent a lot of time thinking God was like my dad, and he's not. No part of this dad wants to celebrate his son's failure. No part of him wants to say, I told you so. He's just happy his boy is home. 
that he's okay. And even though he hasn't earned it, far from it, the father throws a party. Why? Because he loves his son, and his son is home. God is this father. You are the child. You started with him. He put you together. He made you inside and out, and he sees you. He loves you, not because you're good, not because you deserve it. The worst of us don't, and the best of us don't. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. He loves us because whether or not you believe it, you are his, and he wants you to come home. There are house rules. There are chores. There's bedtime and mandatory family time. It's what it's like to be in a family. But it's what you were made for. And you'll be free, really free, free from the pain and suffering that comes when we think we know better. And the pain and suffering that comes with life, because it's part of life, he's there to comfort you. And your brothers and sisters, the other Christians that you have now joined with, they're there to support you. He's waiting for you. He's looking off to the horizon, waiting to see you so he can run to you, wrap you up in his arms, and throw a party. He loves you. Come home. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that... uh, even though we don't deserve it, um, we haven't earned it, um, that you love us anyway. It's hard to, to wrap our heads around that sometimes. We're so conditioned in this world that we live in um, to earn things, to get because of this or that. It's hard to really understand that there's somebody out there that loves us no matter what. that there's somebody that has, has a hope for our life that is just so much better than, than we could plan for ourselves. And so, um, God, as we, as we start um, in on this week, um, I pray, Lord, you would allow us to receive truth from you. God, you would begin to soften our hearts um, that for different reasons have grown hard or resistant um, to you. I pray this week we would be able to, um, we'd be open to a new perspective, uh, maybe a second chance at seeing who you really are. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.